Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm your host, Young Me Mayor. And I'm your other host, Brian Park. And today, Young Me. What? We have a pretty awesome guest. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. I'm sitting next to him right now. Who is he, Brian? Tell us. Our guest this week, he is an incredibly talented photographer and filmmaker based in Brooklyn, New York ever heard of it stop you might have you might know have seen his work from some of our photos that we use for the podcast basically the photos where we look the hottest ever where i look skinny in the the past year those are the photos for reals guys give a warm welcome to emmanuel han (laughs) this is where we imagine all the people sitting in their cars clapping right right and i like how emmanuel just hyped himself up by saying (laughs) i like that i feel like you have to fill in the gaps otherwise it's just like silence right yeah (laughs) it's kind of awkward or else it's awkward silence i woo for myself whenever i go on stage yeah yeah like when i'm doing comedy and i'm like why the fuck do i keep doing that i'm a loser (laughs) i try to do that for I myself too i like try to hype you do myself it too. up because <laughs> yeah. i do it bef- right before my masturbating <laughs> right before i masturbate you can do this brian <laughs> and then just pull up some <laughs> porn hub baby <laughs> you got this brian you got this. Hey, i like your lethargic woo it's like yeah. it's got character <laughs> it's so crazy brian how are you feeling today Ooh. All right. <laughs> Woo. That Whoa. was a big sigh. <laughs> okay. So I have a, a lot to unpack here. Okay. To make up for last week where in my how I... Last week I just straight up said I didn't want to be doing the podcast for my how oh I, my I was feeling. Me and Mike were like, cool, man. <laughs> this is very important to us, but whatever. <laughs> okay. So I have been uh, working through and processing a lot and... Um, I have recognized a pattern of cyclical behavior that I engage with. Uh-huh. And in essence, I am just so fucking exhausted and tired of... a. Co- I, I make it so difficult for myself to really identify what my desires are, uh-huh. especially in the context of dating. Mm-hmm. I think dating is an easy example to use because that's where a lot of emotions are heightened. Uh-huh. And I worry so much. Like I'm constantly worrying, what do I think this person who I am going on a date with or who I'm dating, how can I accommodate them? emotionally Mm -hmm. like i am an emotional sub where i let their desires dictate how i should feel so i don't even know what i feel and in the process yeah i'm constantly ruminating or trying to think about what it is that this person might like or what this person might feel and conduct accordingly Hmm. and it's so fucking exhausting like i told this to my friend the other day and she (laughs) It's pretty funny because she was like, oh, my God, like I go through the same thing. My mom, I think my mom once said, if you suffer, no, no, if you worry, you suffer twice. Yeah. Because by worrying, like you're not, it's all just, it's all in your head. You don't know, you're anticipating, you don't know what the other person's truly feeling. Right. So you're just expending all of this energy, just worrying. Yeah, because you have no idea what they are feeling. And it's because my my friend said her mom said it. I assumed it was some philosopher and I Googled it. Yeah. 
If you worry, you suffer twice. Turns out it was J.K. Rowling, Where to Find Fantastic <laughs> Beasts. <laughs> the voice of a generation. Right. But that's so to give an example of this. Yeah. Yesterday. So there's this girl who goes to my acting school. Uh-huh. Uh, we've, we don't have any classes together, but we've, uh, we've met in passing. And, you know, every time I see her, we talk a lot. And I think she's really cool and I'd love to get to know her. And I've developed a bit of a crush on her. Okay. So that's, I can identify that. Like, I know I'm like, hey, this person seems really fucking cool. I have a crush on her. I'd love to take her out sometime. That's how I know I feel. And uh-huh. so I asked her out uh, the other day when I saw her in person. I was like, do you want to hang out sometime outside of the context of the studio? I don't really know what your relationship status is, but uh, I think that I, I would really like to do that. So you asked her on a date. basically. I asked her on yeah. a date, basically. And, you know, she was kind of like, ah, like I don't want to say no only because like I'm just so busy with school and when I'm not at school, I'm working like I'm working all the time. Yeah. Which I totally understand. Right. And I was like, yikes. Uh, right. And I was like, yeah. you know what? Like no pressure. Uh-huh. You know, I understand like with your schedule and whatnot. I just wanted to express that to you. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know what? Let's see here. Take my number. Okay. Right. And based on those objective facts, yeah, I should be fucking pumped. I'm like, Hey, there's this girl I have a crush on. I mm-hmm. asked her out in person and she gave me her number. Now, immediately, I'm wondering, do, should I even text her? Yeah. Like, she said mm. that she's busy. I don't want to, like, You're make worrying her uncomfortable. About her emotions. Uh, you know, I don't want right. to, like, be a burden. I don't yeah. want to make it. And I'm like, why the fuck am I wasting this energy worrying about this? Like, Yeah, I, she gave you her mm. number. The In facts essence, are, she I, said, maybe do, yes. Here's my number. Then let's see what's going. Right. right. Then let's and see like, what happens. I know what my desire is. My desire is, like, I want to meet up with her and go on a date yeah. with her. But and you're worrying about what she really meant, if she was being... Or exactly. how she really feels. Exactly. See, this is... I feel like I'm exactly the same way. And it's like, it puts me in this world where I'm inside my head. And I'm just like... Oh, uh, like if this ha- if somebody if I if this happened to me if I was Brian and somebody gave me that answer I would be spiraling being like they hate me they think I'm gross they're trying to get me away from like, I don't know and then there's like so many possibilities maybe they love me and they're sh- afraid like I will be going through so many yeah like possible scenarios mm-hmm. in my head mm-hmm. and and I and I know what you mean like why why do I do that it's such a waste of time because I'll never you'll never know until you, you ask never someone, know you, you don't know? know what's going on in their head i have no all. idea what's yeah. going on in that other person's head yeah, so i'm just like i would be doing the same thing wasting yeah. time instead of just being energy. like yeah, yeah. maybe when just, the only thing that's in my control is cool how you feel. i asked this girl out she gave me her number yeah i'm a little unclear on yeah. what if we're gonna hang out but yeah i'll just text her to hang out and if she can't she can't if she can great that's it yeah you go like, with why your, am i making you go with it your so heart. complicated yeah you have to leave with your heart but you know, I'm the same Again, exact way. I'm an emotional way. sub. I let the I'm other like person's desires dictate how and I should feel. It fucks everything up. Fucks everything up. Yeah, you, you're think, totally right. Yeah. What? I think it's pretty natural to feel that way when you like attracted to someone. Like you there's feel an vulnerable. El- yeah, there's an element that you can't control. It's not like you can kind of like um, talk it out in your head with logic 100. percent Yeah. That's why it's always like the battle of the head and the heart. I th- but I think what you can um, try to do. Um, because I, I, I can identify with that, too. It's like yeah. when yeah. you like someone, your logic kind of goes out the window and like you can't think clearly. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I think there are ways to create structures for yourself where you don't feel that way as much. Too vulnerable. Do you well, mean structures? Um, no, I think you can create like I, I mean, like I think the first step that you've already acknowledged is that 
that you have this crush on this person and you can kind of analyze the situation for yourself. Right. And so what I try to do sometimes is I talk to friends or like I try to remove myself from my body and kind of like look back at myself and, and try to kind of be like my best advocate, if that yeah. makes sense. That makes oh, sense. Okay. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's tough, obviously, because no matter how many times you rationalize it, what you feel is what you feel. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I, I try to find ways to distract myself or find other ways to cope with that situation. Right. And I think by re- by recognizing this cyclical, wasteful thought pattern that I engage with. Yeah, because like there's I, no it, point. It, yeah, but also I think it explains why I've described on this podcast before that I feel that I'm devoid of feeling any pleasure or like I feel like anhedonic in that I think my natural uh, tendency is to be very cynical or see things from a very um, in a pessimistic way. Yeah. So let's like using for lack of a better example, the same uh, you this got you, I got not this scenario. Yeah. There's two ways of looking at it. The one is being like, oh, cool. I got my crush's number. That's fucking dope. Or two, ah, like she probably was just doing it just as a formality. I kind of like made her feel awkward in that moment. Like, I don't know. She didn't know how to say goodbye. I'm mm-hmm. like, I can I, I can just accept option A and then be done with it mm-hmm. and then move on yeah. and get on with my life. Or I can do option B for seemingly days on end. Yeah. Until I eventually do the thing I should have done with option A, which is just to text, like, text and ask and find yeah. out hmm. a concrete answer. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking it's exhausting. Like, it's, it's like a waste. I think I think what we're trying to say is like, it's like the truth is we're trying to control this scenario and like trying to figure out like asking my friends about it. Like I do the same thing. Like I'll be like, do you think they have a crush on me? What do you think this means? I'm like, all of this is a waste of time. Just you got the number, text them from that. And it's it's like the same thing that we talk about in the acting class, moment to moment. Okay, yeah. I got the number. I'm going to text you. And then if you don't, say no then that's fine then that's like how we move on it's like a clean honest way i'm gonna i'm gonna move in this world being led by my own heart and my desire and then i'm not gonna hear you say no until you say no i'm i'm like i have respect in the other person to be honest and open with me so i'm just gonna it's my my therapist told me it's called like an honest yes like yeah. when people say yes, I have to believe them and trust them that it's an honest yes mm, until right. they say no. And if they were, if she was like saying it because she was uncomfortable or she wasn't being truthful, that's not on you. That's on her. For sure. Because she, at that moment, if she didn't want to go on a date, she'd have been like, no. But if she gave you a dishonest yes and you went but with the yes. that's still not on me though. That's not on right, you. Right, and then And then if you text her and she's like, I'm sorry. And that's okay. No, like, I'm no that's okay because yeah. you were going on the what she told you, and if she meant something else, she should have said something else. Right. But you know what? I am exactly the same way, and I actually wanted to talk about this today about how I feel. So yeah. this is how I feel. Right. Are you how done you with f- what you were saying? I'm done with how okay. I'm feeling. How are you feeling? Because I'm feeling the same way. I'm exactly the same way as you. I'm like so invested in what somebody else feels. If somebody told me what she told you like yeah i don't know maybe yes like that i would be spiraling like what does that mean does she hate me does she like me is she too shy is she like hurt and i that's all i work on when i date somebody and i'm and i'm moving into realizing it's such a waste of time because i like literally don't know but i have to say that 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 kind of thinking and behavior it's it i feel a lot of people understand that because it's a big thing in asian communities to think of other people before yourself 
the yeah. needs of others come mm-hmm. before you. Absolutely. So a lot of Asian people do that. A lot of women do that because w- as women, you're raised to think the needs of a man are more important than you. And yeah. a lot of times I feel like, especially with straight people, like y- you, like a straight man dating a straight woman, it's hard for straight men because they will say something and a woman will be like ah oh, sure and mm. maybe she doesn't mean that it's just that women are raised to always like agree with men for the most part yeah. so it's hard to get honest answers from people that like our, so- our society is built on this like whole this lie of making other people comfortable mm-hmm. you know whether it's women and men or asian cultures mm-hmm. so it's like really confusing and i have to fight that all the time yeah. and i'm in the same situation right now brian what what keeps happening for me uh-huh. and this is how i'm feeling is that i get in these relationships <clears throat> with people and then i'm like then i get scared because they're acting weird and i'm trying to read what they're trying to do with their actions mm. w- without asking yeah and without right. any communication and then i'm like hey what's going on and then it's like there's like no answer and then i'm like oh and then and then there's an answer but then i'm too scared to respond yeah and mm. then i'm like oh they think i'm gross and i'm bothering them but i don't know right. if that's true or maybe they have also been hurt in the past and they're scared but there's no way of knowing there's until no you way ask knowing them directly until you ask them directly which is why i'm about to send this text that i drafted <laughs> before go. the. i'm gonna send it i told ryan i would do gonna this send it right now i'm gonna send this it should i should i read can read i tell you what I the think text you should is? read it and then we'll okay. give you some feedback so this is somebody it. that i was seeing and like it, the communication got a little muddied okay and i was like n- now i got i am too scared and so what keeps happening is that there will be some sort of lag in communication Mm. whatever and then i'll get scared and just just not respond forever and then that's happens to me a lot right because you know that you want to do you want to hang out with this guy yes i want to hang out with this person again right yes so but but then i was like scared so i was like i'm just not gonna i'm just not gonna talk to them and i'm just gonna like disappear into the background but you know what because what if what if i'm like i want to hang out with you and he's like no Mm. you know what i mean that's fucking embarrassing but uh, you you get a clearer answer because the truth is the the situation doesn't change you aren't hanging out with him right now exactly the truth is i want to hang out with him and i don't know right so i i told brian i was sending this text this is the text everyone (laughs) hey redacted i felt a little awkward sorry i want oh wait does this make any sense well i guess in the you guys don't know the scenario i felt a little awkward sorry i wanted to say i like you a lot and i hope we can hang before blank redacted Mm. something that's gonna happen in the future that will how many times have you guys hung out slash gone on dates um like a handful of times so like a few times four or five times maybe yeah okay um and do you get the sense that he wants to hang out with you or is that See, this, is he I have being no unclear? idea. Like this is where I spiral and there's like 10 different possibilities and I have who knows. I see. I don't know. I've never yeah. asked him. Yeah. And he's never told me. So, yeah. But then I, in my head, I'm like, this is what's happening. No, that's what's happening. No, he thinks I'm gross. No, like he's scared. I don't know. I think it's great. So that why do I care? Why should I even waste my time thinking exactly. about it? I'm I, think, I, think, my I think the best the thing you can do for both of you is uh, for you to be clear about right? like where you stand. And I think usually guys like do this but guys are also really bad at doing this i think especially with texting like i think technology is kind of like screwed up a lot of dynamics as far as conversation yeah um and a lot of like things get you know lost in translation or the tone doesn't come off right and you can't read the other person's face when like you're texting exactly and i find that frustrating but i think in this situation like as uh as like 
from how you're feeling, I think if you're being honest and direct, I think that's the best for right? both parties. Yeah. Guys, look, send right send, now. Send. Watch me send it. Send it. Done. I sent send. it. She Emmanuel. Sent it. Let's go. Ah! This is the most Sorry. exciting I've felt um, <laughs> in this scream. boring week. Um, no, so but I'm honestly, <laughs> but again, even on a more micro level, yeah. when I'm picking dates or choosing things that we should do, I'm constantly thinking like, what what do I think this girl might like? Or like, what is going to... What can I do that this girl will think is cool? And yeah. I'm like, who cares? Who, who fucking cares? I if mean, I wanna, not if to I sound wanna, like an I- asshole, right, but, but like, yeah. Like, if I want to fucking go, I don't know, play Dungeons and Dragons at a board game cafe and eat cheesecake, yeah. fuck it. Like, that's yeah. should, that's I I know how I feel, so I should just do that. But I'm you, constantly yeah. like, what mm. does the other person want? Well, how do I accommodate well, them? Do I, been, I don't even know what ra- I like anymore. We've been raised to think that that's the nice thing to do, to think mm. about somebody else. But think about it. Let's say you want to do the Dungeons and Dragons, right? And then you're like hiding that from somebody and then you're dating them for a long time. And then like years later, you're like, I want to fucking go to Dungeons and Dragons. Blah. And then they're like, what? Not to say that I, Dungeons and Dragons is fucking cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't, no, yeah. But I you know, like, and then your partner is like, what? And it's like, you're like, yeah, that's that's a big part of me. Yeah. And I was hiding it from you. And then mm. what the fuck is this relationship even about? Let's yeah. fucking go. 2020 more like, squash yeah. first dates. Well, yeah, what you should be doing. <laughs> squash is awesome. Yeah, what you should be doing is being on a date with somebody that wants to do that with you. That's the that's the whole point of dating. You gotta find someone that likes you for like who you really are. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, so I was thinking of two things yeah. when you said that. One, I feel like there is societal pressure on men to kind of take the lead and almost like pick everything before you know and i think that's fine honestly um i mean obviously like women can do that as well there's like there's no one like gender that has to do that but i do feel like even in my experience um i'm expected to kind of suggest stuff like even if it's food it's like do you want thai do you want mexican do you want korean you know like because food is a tricky thing too Uh um especially if you're dating someone who is not of your same ethnicity or background that's one drag them yeah (laughs) just saying like you don't want to roll up to everything's too spicy for white people is that what you're trying to say (laughs) i mean you don't you don't want to take them to like ugly baby which is like an insanely spicy thai restaurant and they can't even eat Eat anything um but the second thing is like i don't know i feel like you shouldn't be too hard on yourself because the fact that you're actually being considerate about this other person and you're taking into account what they might like is a sign that you are not a sociopath like you actually care about the it's a balance enjoyment of the other person yeah. yeah but at the same time i think you can find some sort of compromise where it's something that you know for sure um like you would enjoy as well yeah, yeah it has to, it's like that's the thing though it's a balance it's not all about being an asshole and being like me everything i want to do all the time no it's yes. it's just that the problems that you and i are on the I think wrong I'm too side far on the yeah other side. we're all like it's all about you i don't have a personality yeah. like you know what i mean i do but not on dates right so i think that both of us the work that we have to do is to get back to the middle of where it's like we want what do say, i want yeah, yeah what do i want and then also yeah i care about what you want but like i have to, we have to work on what we want right manuel how are you feeling i'm feeling excited to be here with you guys yeah. um yeah. It's, it's awesome to, to speak to you guys <laughs> i i remember when i first met you guys um and did the photos i remember telling you guys that it's so nice to hear um you guys speak because it's almost like you guys are like my siblings and we're just having conversations that we never had when i was growing up at yeah. least uh-huh. um so i'm very excited to be here how I'm feeling is, um, well, in the past two months, I've been feeling a lot of 
anxiety and it's been triggered by a, a bunch of different things um but also in the past month i've made a very concerted effort to kind of deal with that anxiety oh and i feel like now also with like february ending and like you know symbolically the winter months kind of coming to a close Thank i God. feel mentally just clearer mm -hmm. and i feel pretty good because i have all these things set up um like in my life um, that helped me deal with my anxiety. One, by like establishing routine and two, also just like stuff like journaling that allows me to really clarify my feelings. Mm, and journaling. Um, but uh, I mean, also like I, I feel like anxiety is driven a lot by situational things, like things that happen, you know, and I think there was this thing that was happening January and February um, where I was seeing this person and it was just very on and off and that really i think um caused a lot of fluctuation in my mood oh yeah and i feel like on one hand it's kind of similar to what brian was talking about like you can let that situation affect you and i definitely do because I, we're all like very emotional people i think um and i i think i had to like talk to so many people and journal it out and i i think i realized that there are two parts to it yes like the situation can suck and it can affect you like a lot yeah um but there's the other side of like what can i do what can i do for myself in the situation so that i'm like you know resilient and not <laughs> not being affected by like every text that comes in and it like completely ruins my day or you know something yeah. like that you gotta get grounded in yourself yeah. somehow yeah. And when you're going through that shit yeah and february i think was this time you know like people talk about like take care of yourself um you like do you um and you know it, it sounds trite and I'm, yeah. I'm always like rolling my eyes i'm always just like power through you know like any asian mm. person would I'm just all like, about that put your head down and just fucking power through <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and um yeah. And that's what I thought I, I could do. I was just, I was trying to like will myself into feeling better, uh -huh. right? Yeah, because yeah. like, um, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that, like, that, that's what our parents did. Yeah, like, just like, just be happy. That sounds like, Brian, happy. That's like Brian's mom when you were like, I have depression. She was like, just be happy. I'm like, okay. Just, just <laughs> choose. Why is it so hard? Um, that's so funny. Um, so, but then so you that's, found that's that once that wasn't I'd, working. I think that uh, yeah. that works to a certain extent. And then you also like just don't want to be going through that for like the rest of your life because what a sad way to live. Right. And I think there are ways to kind of like address certain things um, in your life to make it better. And, and it, it's not like like a 180 change overnight, but I think it's like s small things you can do to kind of build yourself up to a point where you just feel at least like the days go by a little yeah. bit easier. It's, yeah. It's yeah. like you can't you can't just be like, be happy. You have to do little that's like how because well, i had really bad depression all my life that's how you get out of depression it's really it's hard because like those sort of mental things it's like a crawl out of it you don't jump out of it exactly you have to fucking crawl and work at it and they're little yeah. tiny like tiny steps it's exactly. not jumps yeah it's like tiny little decisions that you make every single day it's like yeah. do i choose to do this one small thing that mm -hmm. could improve myself or my mood a little bit yeah and oftentimes the temptation is to just like ignore that and like look for quick fixes like mm -hmm. oh let me go to a yoga class and everything will be fine or let me like i don't know um, i like how that's your quick fix yoga for me it's like that's I'm gonna my eat 19 I've donuts never been to yoga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh donuts like, yeah well I'm eat 19 donuts and just watch netflix in bed for eight hours 
That sounds never pretty works. amazing, actually. It doesn't work, though. It does not cure uh, depression. It works for like like a f- couple hours. Yeah, for yeah, eight it hours. It gets you through. So for February, you've been doing these little choices that have been kind of improving your mood throughout the month? Yes. That's um, awesome. I can, I can list a, a couple of them. Um, so journaling has been, been a big thing. And I think like when you're going through kind of turmoil in your head and i feel like a lot of people in new york do because you're bombarded with like just life shit all the time yeah um even just writing out like like bad stuff that happened to you helps you see what you're going through Uh and that's what i do um so every time like i feel a negative emotion i'll write it down and i'll try to understand why that happened Mm -hmm. and then i'll try to relate that to something that happened in my life um basically i'm trying to like psychoanalyze myself which is like a weird thing i would have too much to read if i wrote down every negative emotion i I had no i'm before bed i'm looking at my journal like all right time to read an 800 page novel (laughs) (laughs) oh man i suck like i'm so glad that journaling has helped you but just hearing the word journaling made me like want to kill myself i'll (laughs) never do that i don't have the bandwidth but i'm glad that it's helped you out what what else have you been doing well it's um I do it every morning and it, it journaling initi- journaling it initially started out as this like free writing thing uh-huh. and artist way the artist, the artist way, way. Yes. Pages, I, baby. I'm a big Shout out to the I'm a big way, believer baby. in that and yeah it's like obviously um, it's hard to be regimented about it but I remember every time I do it in the morning I would just feel better and mm. that's just like that's just proof right there right um, yeah. And also, like, the funny thing is I, like, never read my journals after. For me, it's purely just a way to externalize how I'm feeling, Mm, just to help me understand at that point. But I don't ever go back. Um, So that's one thing. The other thing is running has become, like, a very big part of my life. Um, Running, obviously, tons of benefits to exercise, dopamine. um, Just You just feel clearer, physical exercise, blah, blah, blah. I fucking hate running. I know. Yeah, well, these these things, Emmanuel, sound terrible. I'm, tell- I'm sorry, but you're like, you got a journal? Well, run? Well, I'm, I'm a masochist and a, like, I just uh, love inflicting pain on DMT? myself. <laughs> Can I just do DMT? What is at DMT? At a rave at 4 a.m.? Because oh. that's how I'm trying to treat that's, my... That's what running is to you. <laughs> I mean, that's exercise. Like, that sounds like boring. I just want to <laughs> drink martinis. What else? <laughs> you what can else? do that. You don't have to run. What you else can, are you, you doing, rave. Emmanuel, to help you? yourself feel better so journaling um, running journaling running i think like keeping a good space for myself in my room oh. is really important cleaning your room okay this is this sounds all <laughs> rough it, this <laughs> this sounds like like <laughs> my friend described me as like their korean mom it's like all Emmanuel. these things like, do you also you whip should. yourself emmanuel's like oh yeah i have a chain like in my whip room yourself i like until to your back prep. bleeds <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! It's, well, okay. Wow. So, like, I think the the but reason I think these are all great. No, these things are great. No, somebody to, it's gonna uh, help somebody habituate. out there. Like, there's exactly yeah, it's a routine in it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think th- I think the the big um, difficulty with depression and anxiety is this yeah. feeling of chaos, right? Like feeling like you have yeah. no control over your life and you're just kind of like mm-hmm. you know in the in the sunken place, right? Like and get out, like mm-hmm. where you're just like floating and falling. And I think that's the feeling that that is one. It feels terrible but it has this like worse side effect of making you feel like you can't get out of it yeah right yeah. and so it's this kind of like um it's a spiral it's Spirally, like a, it's, yeah. it's it keeps pulling you down it's, it's like quicksand all the time um and i think like that's why i mentioned that yeah. like i didn't do all of this at once I, I didn't wake up one day and be like i'm gonna you know make my bed and go for a run and make tea and journal and you know like yeah. Yeah. everything happened like kind of like step by step 
um like one week i was like oh maybe i should you know like go for a run and then and then you make it make that into a habit and then you add on the next thing and i don't know by the end of it you just feel like you can't control a lot of emotions that you feel like you can't control how someone's not texting you back for eight hours yeah, you yeah. can't feel how like someone gave you like a non-answer like a dishonest yes but what you can control is like i'm gonna put on my fucking running shoes and just going Aww. out for a run that's just that i don't know amazing. but you're you know what i feel like let's go i don't know why i'm so i'm like reacting so like <laughs> this i'm like you're trying to help me i'm I'm gonna vote for you when you run for president 2032 i will never run for president i will be in the woods somewhere um camping out maybe i should just yeah you know i'm so Manuel has a good presence in our life because he is sticking to it and doing all the right things i'm proud of you i'm glad that you're um, doing the steps to better yourself unlike me i'm just like why is my life so out of control for like months on end i'm I'm not gonna do anything about it i don't know how i feel but you tell me how you feel and i'll accommodate (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awesome i mean i think it ties into just like how i grew up and stuff which you know we can forget to but it's just it's it's weird because it it almost feels like a survival mechanism mm. and it's not like i'm it's not like i'm choosing it's not like i'm like super empowered or like motivated it's just like i feel like if i don't do something about it then then like life isn't gonna improve these, and that's how yeah. i felt a lot of times when i was growing up mm, yeah like out of control and these are the steps that you take as an adult to help you feel like you're in control of situations yeah is, is that fair to say that yeah totally running and dirt like just having like a regimented like routine it helps yeah. you okay yeah. that makes sense to me yeah yeah it, uh, routine and scheduling does make me feel better i just i'm bad at it <laughs> emmanuel how asian are you um it's tough it depends some days i feel like i'm like 10 percent asian sometimes i feel like i'm 99 percent asian are there certain circumstances that will some influence how you feel yeah. about your asianness i think it depends on where i am like physically geographically okay um it also depends on i don't know it's just how i feel that day like my mood so in, like i don't know like if um like i did a project in mississippi like two years ago and i felt hella asian <laughs> i felt like <laughs> the most asian like ever because i didn't see any other other asian people because around oh. me you were like comparing yourself to the situation around you exactly so in that situation you're like i'm asian i'm so asian i yeah. stick out like a sore thumb but yeah. if i travel and i'm in korea i feel like well yeah then i feel like i feel more american actually mm. because people kind of yeah. treat me in a different way and i think you in, talked about this yeah in before. like relation to what's around you exactly yeah that's how i when i grew up because i grew up with like so many other asian people i felt like white quote unquote right yeah, yeah. you feel your difference right, um, right right and when i was traveling in spain for some reason i felt I, I felt very American, but I was very aware that I was being perceived as an Asian, yeah. which is like an awkward thing, I think, when Asian people travel. Yeah, that's how I feel in Europe, because I'm like, I am this, but they're all like, hey, ni hao. And I'm like, great. Oh, this is the kind of white people oh, in yeah. Europe. Yeah. The and dumb ones. Euro- <laughs> Europeans, no shade, but in general, I feel like are just less exposed to like different types of Asians and like yeah. Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. And I find them to be sometimes a little bit more ignorant oh, yeah. in the way that they treat you. And also, I think it's further complicated by the fact that a lot of like big Chinese groups travel in Europe in bunches. So then like when 
I, I'm obviously generalizing, but when certain European people see you, they're like, oh, yeah. you must be part of that group. And yeah. so they try to just treat you like a tourist. Also, oh. a big part of you, the thing that bothers me about Europeans, and this is generalizing again, but like they, I heard a lot of other Europeans even white Europeans, when they meet each other, like strangers, one of the first things they say is like, where you're from? Because that's mm. how they like, they're like, oh, you're Spanish, oh, you're German. Right. Like they're very tribal and they're, because they just move around inside Europe so much. Right. Like, that's like one of the first things that they discuss and that it means a lot to them, your nationality and your race to a point where in America, it's like almost offensive to ask that right off the bat. You yeah. know? Mm -hmm. And also another thing that bothers me about Europeans, they have this belief that they're not racist. They're always right. like, oh, you're from America, it's so racist there. I'm like, bitch, I have been hate crimed in Europe mm -hmm. and that's never happened in America. I mean, you know, to that full extent. Um, so I want to talk about a funny thing because you're born in Saipan mm -hmm. and I live in Saipan. That's right. And like that was like one of the first things that we talked about when we met. Mm -hmm. But you were born and born and you were a baby when you left. So you don't really remember it. Is that fair? That's right. Yeah. That? Okay. So my dad used to work in Saipan. Uh -huh. um, he ran this like tourism company and I was born in Saipan. And that's how I became a U.S. citizen. Um, yeah. mm. My brothers aren't. My brothers were born in Korea. So um, too bad for them. <laughs> um, well, maybe not too maybe bad Maybe not them anymore. Now. Like they have health care. Um, <laughs> too bad for them. They have free health care. Like, I'm know. dying. <laughs> and here I am just trying to figure out my Racist life in New president. York. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, my dad, well, so um, there was a, a financial crisis in Korea in, I think, the IMF. early 90s, the yeah. IMF oh, 97, crisis. 1997. 1997. Um, but even prior to that, my dad's business went under uh -huh. and he decided to change careers. He wanted to become a missionary. So then he moved our family out of Saipan into Singapore when I was four years old. I love oh. that. I love that. Like there was a financial crisis and he was like, I'm going to become a missionary. There's money in the church. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but money, Korean churches, they do have money, though. Yeah, fuck tourism. I'm going to go where the money's at. Oh, yeah. You don't know how God. many um, Korean people became missionaries during the financial crisis. Are you religious? Wow. No, I'm just kidding. What? Are you um, religious? I am, yes. Okay, I so am. you're still very Christian? Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, and so you moved, it sounds like you moved around a lot. Mm -hmm. yeah, so like did you grow up, up in Singapore? or did you Yeah. Move back? Okay. So, um... Our family moved to Singapore when I was four years old. Uh -huh. My parents went to seminary, um, yeah. did their schooling, and then my brothers and I uh, went to kindergarten. And then when I turned eight, my dad decided to move to Cambodia to become a missionary. Okay. So my Without brother, the family? Well, so my dad and my mom, myself and my middle brother uh, moved to Cambodia when okay. I was eight years old. And then my oldest brother stayed behind in Singapore by himself. Okay. Um, How old was, was he? He was 13, I think, at that time. An adult. And a, uh, <laughs> yes. A Why is it? kidding. He wasn't married already? How the hell did they oh. leave a 13-year-old child in Singapore by himself? Singapore is you know one of I'm the most dangerous places to be left alone as a 13-year-old. <laughs> you can't chew you gum there. Yeah, I mean... If no, 13 year olds love gum. That's a death sentence. Asians, though. I feel like for Asians, like... I feel like they think that you're an adult at 13. My parents used to send me to other countries on vacation by myself as a 13-year-old. By yourself? Like, yeah. they gave you money and they were like, just yeah. go? Well, I had someone to meet when I was there, but oh, it was sure. terrifying. My parents were, like, really proud of me for doing it, but I was fucking terrified. It is pretty terrifying. Fucking international airport. <laughs> when you're 13, you don't know anything, <laughs> right. really, oh, man. about life. That's so intense. Yeah. So you were in Cambodia. So I was in Cambodia. Um, 
my my dad started his work. Um, my brother and I basically went to a local Cambodian school in the morning where we Damn. learned Cambodian and nice. and <laughs> also Chinese because it happened to also be a Chinese Cambodian school. Okay, and then we would come home and we would be homeschooled by my mom. She would teach us Korean. Wow. Um, and then we had like like a math tutor and then we had an English tutor. So like she, I think this is true for any Asian parents, but like education is like the holy grail. It's like number one. Right, it, right, right. It trumps everything. Yeah. Um. And then we, and then after our, our like classes or whatever, we would just go hang out with the farm animals because we were like in this very like suburban rural part of Cambodia where uh-huh. we just had like cows and yeah, running around. that's awesome. So kind of like amazing, like very idyllic, um, no worries about the world. But then I turned twelve, and then my parents um, decided <laughs> to hit the fan. <laughs> my parents, and then they left me in I Cambodia th- by myself. Twelve when I and became I got an married. Adult. <laughs> they put me on a boat, and then they just like flung me out into the islands. Um, no, they. Um, sent me and my brother who was 13 and i was 12 back to singapore they rented out an apartment for us and they oh left us face. they were like you literally the left you alone oh my we god we were joking but yeah they singapore. were like oh all right you're gonna go to were school just, now like, raging and just like <sighs> it's oh, no. it, it's it's really hard to remember that part of my life because uh, i yeah. suppressed a lot of it i'm sure you did sure um, I'm sure you did. <laughs> it's very complicated, and I think it's something that I'm like working out with my therapist, and I think mm. it's something that'll go on for the rest of my life. On one hand, I was very excited because I had like my friends again, and a lot of my mm, friends were like Korean right. kids growing up in Singapore, and that was very important for me. Yeah, because in Cambodia, I didn't have any friends at all yeah. except my brother and your farm animals and my farm animals. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> sometimes Daisy, I think they're better than Betty humans. Lou. <laughs> <laughs> Where are um, they today? Oh no, but it was traumatic too because like we'd hang out with these animals and then like we would kill them to eat. Them. Oh my oh god, my Atlanta. Um, <laughs> Damn, that's so, you so when you were eleven, you were learning shit. that nothing is forever, basically. You, <laughs> you learned a lot of life much. lessons. Yeah, everything is transient. Where's everything Be- you love. Where's will Betty die Lou? Support. Your mom's like laughing and stirring the stew. <laughs> <laughs> so it's in your stomach. Oh god. <laughs> Well, um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure that's like, trima- I mean, there's like feeling big feelings of abandonment there. I went through like a lot of that as a teenager and my parents were technically still at home. They just abandoned me emotionally and I, I'm still like recovering from that. So I'm sure it's a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's uh, I think in a sense, it's kind of um, defined me yeah. um, as a person. Mm. Like, right. I, I think everything is like double sided. There's the, the, the shitty part and then there's like the silver linings or like the good yeah. parts. Yeah. And I think it's funny that you guys mentioned that i like try to see things optimistically because in a sense that was how i survived yeah because i think if i didn't have any sense of optimism um around my situation i could have just gone like you know like in a really bad direction yeah Yeah. there's this really funny thing called mk camp in korea uh it's missionary kid camp so it's basically other kids like me um (laughs) and like every year in korea there's like 60 of us um and it's it's wild because half of them are like really fucked up like yeah. half of shit. them are like sneaking out, doing drugs, going to clubs, just like getting shit faced. And then the other half are just like very, very well adjusted, like normal kids. Yeah. And there's no like in well between. adjusted normal meaning they're just suppressing everything and they're like, Let's go <laughs> let's go journal and run. <laughs> I bought a scented candle. I brought exactly. some Sorry, I'm not trying to drag to you. Meal no, prep. You should read my journals. It's <laughs> hella dark. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, like, I feel like I grew up with a lot of people that are like you, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm the other side of that coin, the chaotic, like, let's go to fucking clubs, yeah. and 
No, but it's, it's an interesting way to respond. I'm on the other side where I would snitch on For the me. same situation. <gasps> I'd be like, Young Me went to the club last night. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Brian. <laughs> no, but that's like an interesting... Uh, it, it it's interesting how people respond because that's like... We probably have a very similar mm-hmm. experience. But where did you I even fall think in that too. line? Yeah, yeah. MK where Camp. were you at that age? I, um, <laughs> I think I went through phases. Um, oh, okay. And I think I was really lucky that I... Traitor. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I was just like trying to figure out my life. You know, like 13, 14, whatever. You were going whatever. out to the club and then waking up and running. <laughs> and <you're just> like, <laughs> Yeah. you know a little egg beater exactly get wasted and the next day i'm like oh, i feel so bad i need to like run this all out and absolve uh, my sins <laughs> and absolve my sins. I just whip myself uh, um, sorry i keep saying that well um, it was funny because a lot of my closest friends in singapore were other korean kids yeah um yeah. and we all like became friends because we all went to the same korean church which is like a whole thing in itself the korean church experience like growing up there and oh, korean yeah. churches are very interesting because like religion aside it's a very like it's like a microcosm of the best and the worst parts of korean culture yeah. like the hierarchy mm. the yep. the kind of people like showing off like you know the the face saving like you know it, it was just like the weirdest and like i think it, that was when i almost told myself i didn't want to be a christian anymore because i was getting so much pressure on my yeah. shoulders to be this like perfect kid and i was like fuck that i'm Kore- 16 years old korean yeah. church is a fucking it's a place man it's a fucking it's a place damn it's a place it's, yeah it's a lot but i imagine that you you know you were alone on your own from such a young age and you were bopping around different countries i'm sure it has influenced your the way you approach interpersonal relationships oh yeah like you know lovers or just even friends for that matter Mm, relationships oh uh yeah um i think as far as like interpersonal relationships with just any people like i'm very comfortable just talking and meeting with anyone because When I was living in Cambodia, we used to have these teams that would come from everywhere. The U.S., the U.K., Australia, South Korea, Singapore. So, like, from ages 8 to 12, I feel like the world came to me, in a sense, like, in Cambodia. Um, And so I felt very comfortable, like, acknowledging that there are different types of people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think I'm also just generally curious about people around the world because of how I grew up and just being exposed to so much diversity. Um, it's funny because like Cambodia is like one of the poorest countries in the world. And then from there, I went to Singapore, which is one of the richest countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not just relating with people from different cultural and ethnic backgrounds, but it's also at this like socioeconomic um, context where I'm, I don't know, I feel like I just like met all sorts of people. Right. And so I just try not to be judgmental when I meet people. Okay. Um, and I just try to like relate to every single person as like a human being and try to like get to know their story. Um, yeah. But then when it comes I to dating, like <laughs> when it comes no. to dating, when it comes to dating, you only date white women. I'm <laughs> I only date white women from a specific state, <laughs> from a specific county. With no, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. Dating is also like uh, complicated because like I grew up in such a religious family, and so like every right. person I dated, like I was ex- I, I, like I had this like idea that I had to marry them eventually. <gasps> so like from wow. the beginning, like I I was like. I don't think I like went on casual dates until I was like 27. What? Is that crazy? Yeah. Well, who's your first ever person that you dated? How old are you? Um, well, that was in in college for like a year. So uh-huh. like I don't know, I was 21 or something. And you thought you were in a 
yeah marry them yeah I, I think like i approached every relationship so like seriously it's mm-hmm. like yeah. hey let's plan out like let's what? see let's see what this would look like in two years like well yeah like you um, know how it's going to unfold yeah like i'm not just trying to like fuck around date you for six months and then like move on with my life um you're like this is the one we're gonna get married yeah how do you know but then how do you know that you feel that way about them i mean when you don't like from the get from get yeah so i didn't and i I thought i did and i think it i think it was it was healthy to break out of that mentality i i didn't know i mean i was 21 what did i know right and yeah so who who are you who are you having sex with we want to start let's let's do the alignment okay so we're gonna start doing this thing it's uh so you know brian and i talk non-stop about how i'm a chaotic bottom i'm sure you've heard emmanuel and brian is a lawful top and so we wanted to start doing this uh, sexual alignment chart okay and obviously bottoming and topping is a big like lgbtqia plus term it's not really for i'm assuming you're straight but it's an energy so it doesn't mm. necessarily mean you're a bottom because you receive or you're a top because you give but your energy mm. and we're gonna read your how your energy is to us and i'm gonna say and you that your energy and tell us if is, you agree or disagree is lawful bottom energy not necessarily okay that you're a bottom what do you think brian what's his energy Lawful bottom. Lawful bottom. Lawful bottom. Lawful wow. bottom energy. What um, do you? How do you well, feel? How do you feel about that? <laughs> I'm well. I'm not sure. How, how <laughs> Actually, to take now that. that I'm talking to you, kind of lawful top energy. Lawful top. Well, I'm guessing it's like a two by two, so like lawful or chaotic and or top or neutral. neutral. Or oh, neutral. And also verse, verse, which is both ways. Top and bottom. Top and bottom. Neutral. But, you know, the I feel the religious uh, upbringing. Lawful. Lawful. That's somewhat bottom energy. You're bottoming for God. Yeah. You're bottoming for God. (laughs) Um, How do you feel as a... What's your energy? Lawful bottom. I think my energy changes, but if I were to generalize, I don't know. Like, lawful... What was that? Verse? Verse? Yeah. I think so. Okay. Yeah. So he's lawful yeah. verse. You know what I have to say about Christianity and like religion though? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm no offense. I like, obviously I like, I don't mind if people are religious and stuff. But for me, I feel like maybe growing up in Korean church, there's so much chaotic, ev- not, not chaotic because I like chaotic. There's like so much like evil involved in it. That's like under the surface. It's so, so suppressed. It's, it's kind of like, so it's almost like chaotic evil. I feel like. Yeah, but everyone is religion. just like religion. Like Religious is just people dressed yeah. up to look like oh, we're all holy and this is my whatever. this is my true guess for Emmanuel on the streets lawful bottom energy lawful in the bottom. sheets <laughs> chaotic top. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's so reli- That's like so. That's religion. Of- that's Christianity there's a, there's in a nutshell. There's some sort of weird pinching going on. I don't even know. Praying, Indian burns. I don't in even bed, know. Lots of hair pulling. <laughs> and Noogies just spitting. <laughs> spitting in your fucking nostrils i don't even know <laughs> whatever emmanuel does we don't even know Brian. we have no we idea ne- we, we're like, my imagination can't what's even my go safe there. word <laughs> my yeah safe let's, word. let's keep it that way maybe some things are meant to be private that's oh, your, okay. w- yes that's the See, energy that response very lawful bottom let's lawful, keep it private but keep it private we but that's the some chaotic top energy korean christian <laughs> church energy right there <laughs> i i feel like um there was a lot that i learned about i don't know i i I feel like there was like a big shift in like my understanding of faith and religion like maybe in the past three to four years okay what what Um, brought that on 
So, I mean, it's like I got pegged and then <laughs> just, think, just hit different. You know, religion yes. hits different after you get pegged. <laughs> took some shrooms and everything was enlightened. You took no, some I mean, shrooms? No, I, I, that was just a joke. Um, um, no, I, I think it's, it's, we're so conditioned by what we grow up with, right? And my, my dad's a pastor and yeah. he's not just a pastor. He's like a very conservative pastor mm-hmm. um, and I love him. Um, and but when you grow up in that environment you like your your sense of morality and your sense of ethics is kind of just defined by what you grow up with right yeah. like you see your parents model it and you know i love my parents i love how they live i think it's super inspirational yeah but i think i just had this model in my head as the one true way of navigating life right. um and even for like my faith too it was this very kind of performance oriented like i have to pray i have to read the bible i have to like do all these things and if i didn't then i would be punished which is also like an interesting like asian connection is this sense of like if you don't pull your weight then there is judgment and there's punishment and there's you know like bad things gonna happen to you and then i think i realized like a a few years ago i like started going to a different church and i don't know like without like kind of overcomplicating it it really kind of gave me this freedom to be a sinner if that makes sense because like the whole concept Oof. of the whole concept of faith is predicated on grace yeah and i think i didn't understand the concept of grace because mm-hmm. i was just trying to perform my way to something it's like oh i have to be seen as this person and i think like that's something that i like it's still part of my identity it's like how i present myself to the world versus how i truly am inside yeah um and i think ever since then i think it's just kind of like having a more nuanced understanding of like not just my faith but who i am as a person like what do i want what do i what 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 do i desire like what do i want that's not affected by this like moral structure that was created when i was you know like growing up are you still are you still adhering to that because you know what i really dislike about christianity is the idea of sin Mm. i feel like that's such a toxic and like underdeveloped idea of how humans work Mm. what what do you adhere to in that sort of morality system like the idea that the universe has morality to me is the Mm. most ridiculous idea i mean obviously yeah i know this is like a deep conversation maybe we shouldn't be getting to but like yeah what what parts of that do you adhere to I mean, I think... um, You still believe in sin? The part that I believe in is that, like, everyone is flawed. Like, everyone comes into this world flawed, and we need grace. We need someone, like a higher power, to to give us what we can't give ourselves okay so that's that's just like the base and right. i don't know how much deeper you want to get into it because yeah, let's then just this may, yeah this might a, get to a uh, theological see, can podcast. i just say one thing yeah. so when it comes to sex do you uh oh, yeah. adhere to that like do you have sex Is casually sex or a sin for yeah i mean so that that was like a big thing that i grappled <sighs> with right um like i have sex the first time i had sex like penetrative yeah. sex was 28 nice and nice. And a lot of it was because of this fear that if I had sex with someone who wasn't married, then I was doing something really bad, Mm. something really wrong. But it's stupid because before that, we did oral sex. Right, right. Right. Mm. And this is actually, I've heard, pretty common in, like, religious um, people. Like, (laughs) apparently for some religions, like, butt sex is not a sin but penetrative sex is yeah and so that's a loophole that people engage exactly so then like that's that was the thing that really tripped me up i was like if i'm just like employing all these loopholes then then i'm not really like honoring 
the spirit of like what this thing is supposed to be. Right. So um, when when you had uh, penetrative sex for the first time, what feel like did you wish you had done it sooner or were you? Because it sounds like it has filled it, with it, it's guilt. Changed your the way you process and what you see view as sex now because yeah. Um, you're, now you kind of see it as somewhat hypocritical or even ironic that you were making allowances for oral sex. And yeah. Then, yeah. Um, I didn't feel guilty. I just, I don't know. For some reason, like, I just thought, like, this is fine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. There, there wasn't See? a, com- there wasn't a complicated like right, wrestling right, right. in my head, my oh, head. Right. That's nice. Um, I think that's just me projecting. You're having yourself because I'm constantly having like having those thoughts in my head. Yeah. And making it complicated. Well, I, I, think, I it's think it's very natural for people to feel because even if you're not religious, sex is look like something you should be ashamed of or dirty. Yeah, it's inherently. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's like an inherent taboo to it. And because we live in a society that's been so entrenched with christian values you know what i mean that's like just part of like this american society yeah. right and i mean i do think there is value for some people like if that's what they believe in yeah and it's, to feel it's, ashamed yeah or not not to feel ashamed but like if they really want to like treat it as something that they just want to have it for one person that they're committed to then yeah i think that's great and i think um maybe if i'm like digressing a little bit like i it's hard for me to have casual sex now because Uh i it it feels it's in some ways it feels like there's nothing like it doesn't feel like it's as weighty or has that emotional connection for me and for me like emotional connection is very important yeah and so Mm -hmm. like if i feel like if i don't have that then i like almost don't want to have sex at all with someone that's great um yeah, I honestly should adopt that more. Uh, one thing we've talked, you know, we're both single and we've talked about dating, you know, outside of this podcast. And one thing that's stuck with me is that you said that you don't use dating apps and you suggested that I should just go to areas that I have an interest in. So, for instance, I like to read. So, you suggest like I should just go to a bookstore and even if it's fucking weird or fucking scary or it's like (laughs) you might be perceived as like a socio just try and create fleeting moments of connection with people and in an area that like where people have a common interest with you and even if it doesn't lead anywhere that's still like human connection which you feel is becoming more scarce yeah in today's world Emmanuel gave you that advice? Yeah. That is chaotic. I knew it. <laughs> chaotic, chaotic top. That's chaotic top energy. Just go it's to bookstores and stare at women. And no. smile. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's almost like this weird like romantic ideal like you see in the movies with like meet cutes and stuff. But Romance, no. I feel like, is chaotic. Yeah. Romance is chaotic. Emmanuel's big on romance. So I need to, I, I'm going ex- wow. to exercise that more. You know what romance I hate? Romance. He's all about the meet cute. What's I, that? What's meet cute? It's kind of like oh you like drop a book in front of a girl and then she like you guys pick it up at the same time or something and then you look and then you lock eyes and you're like oh she's the one wow it's like a typical like movie trope yeah like the meet cute yeah (laughs) that is cute um or a meet cute could just be you guys are both huffing or like doing lines of ketamine off of a dick in a (laughs) bushwick (laughs) rave like you know what you're cool man you wanna go home with me that's my version of the meet cute that's a meet cute (laughs) I met your father when we were snorting ketamine off of the same dick. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that's happened. I'm, I'm sure that's happened. Like they just they just never told their kids what oh really God. went right, down. Right, right. Yep. But um, you, but you, um, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. And mm. we, we've 
you, you've sent me uh, this video, which really left an impression on me, in that dating apps are, in a way, uh, it's less risky. Mm-hmm. It, it's a way mm-hmm. to mitigate and yeah. minimize risk because we are trying to assess the whole of a person based on a few photos or just a few answers to questions. Yeah. And it's really like, you know, we treat dating apps like, oh, it's scary. You don't know. You could be murdered. But yeah. in all honesty, it's like the least risky thing to do. Right. And in order to find single, true, yeah. right. And in order to find true love, like love inherently is predicated on risk. Like mm. you need to take a risk of like expressing how you feel to someone because yeah. Yeah. the like outcome could be rejection. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But this is what I think. I feel like meeting somebody in real life in some ways is like safer because like when you see pictures online and you meet them in real life, the chemistry could be way off. Oh, yeah. They right. look gross. But when you see someone in real life, you're like, I'm physically attracted to you. Mm-hmm. Where our bodies are reacting off of each other, I yeah. know I'm attracted to you. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like, no, but I, I but I get it because then it's like, what if? I'm, it's really scary to say hello to somebody at like a fucking bookstore. That's fucking. And I think the anxiety. funny thing is like people actually crave that. Like if you're like imagine mm. you're sitting at a cafe like writing or like reading a book or yeah. journaling about your chaotic life. Journal. And someone attractive came up to you and was was like, "Hey, what are you reading?" Like imagine how that would feel for yeah, you. Yeah. And then just kind of project that onto people. I mean, obviously, don't be a creep about it. But don't. Or as Brian said, don't be a socio. I like that. Don't be a socio. No, that prolonged eye contact. You're like, oh shit, game on, buddy. Like that feels (laughs) that is fun AF when that happens, dude. And it happens so much. And I don't know. Like now that I'm single, I just, I just, no, no, (laughs) I get it, Emmanuel. You can't do any work. No, get it. So many attractive people (laughs) are coming up. Prolonged eye contacting (laughs) you. (laughs) No, I met. I I observe it more. Like I see it happening in front of me. I see people checking each other out, and then and then it just goes nowhere. I mean, not that it has to go anywhere all the time but like what if one person you know had the guts to just be like hey i think your eyes are like beautiful or whatever just imagine like a <laughs> i would never say that I <laughs> went somewhere so special just now <laughs> oh my god so what if someone said your eyes are so beautiful i'd be like please maybe that's why i have that's why i have no game if i were in that situation i would be like hey i saw you we're like looking at each other and i just want to say hi but that's a clunky way to just be like Hey, you have really nice eyes. Yeah, I mean, if you <laughs> if you if you notice something, then why wouldn't I mean you could just express it? I think is is what I'm saying. Damn. Yeah, I think You're I mean right. Manuel's all about owning his what? desires and just fucking just speaking saying to that it. shit. I just want to point out right now, I still have not received a response. From that. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, this Dump is what him. I was afraid of. But you know what? Now that I'm now that I'm experiencing it. Look at me. Mm. I survived. I'm proud of you, young me. It's fine. Now on to the next. What is something yeah. you're proud of, Emmanuel? Uh, what yeah. am I proud of? Um, in my life? Just brag. Anything. Brag about something. Um, yeah. bragging, right, bragging hour. <laughs> this is kind of funny, but um, when, I, when I first like, left my corporate job to be a photographer uh-huh. yeah. um, four years ago, my parents were very concerned for me. And my dad was like, do you want to go to grad school? Like, I'll pay for whatever, journalism school. Because, wow. you know, Korean mentality... Um, education is education is key and like everyone has a master's so if you don't have a master's like you're You're a loser fucking loser Um, and they were just really (laughs) concerned for me for about two years and then I did this project with a friend um, in 2017 and then it was published in the New York Times in 2018 Wow! Um, and that was a big moment for me that's something I'm really proud of Um, 
and I sent the article to my parents, and they were just like over the moon. They were just like sharing oh, it with all their amazing. friends. That's awesome. And ever since then, they've been kind of like asking me more in terms of like, how can we help your career? Like, we know you want to like make movies or whatever. Like, what can we do to support you? Right. And like, I don't know, that shift in itself, like me kind of being stubbornly. Um, or me just stubbornly pursuing the thing that I want and like showing like my parents that I can do it and almost making them want to support me is something that I'm proud of Mm -hmm. yeah but I guess also like just in general I'm just proud of how I navigated life until this point because I think there are there are all these like checkpoints where I could have just like fallen off but I just found a way to kind of get to the next thing like I went to school I went to under, undergrad for finance and then I worked in tech and then I switched to photography and now I'm doing film and video stuff and it's 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 weird because in some ways I feel like this is where I should have always been um, mm. like when I was 18 like this is what I should have chosen but I didn't know that yeah but like even through this kind of like um, detour I found my way here right. and, I, and I'm kind of being honest and, and truthful about it and mm. that makes me like really happy yeah that's a huge thing it's a huge thing to um, get to that place and understand that that's like something that's valuable and worth being proud of that's huge absolutely um, because you know I go I'm in a similar path too where I studied a different thing and then I did comedy and now I'm doing something different and rather than just being proud and being like you know what fuck it I'm here I'm sometimes I have that feeling of like damn I wish I had realized sooner but like I have mm. no control over that you know I was mm-hmm. 18 like how could I know what I wanted then like people yeah. people realize things at different rates yeah and yeah so hearing that I mean I'm still glad where I am today yeah but a part I'd be lying if I didn't say there's a small part of me like man I wish I hadn't re- done this when I was 17 or mm. 18 yeah me too right here we are here the we end are of our lives baby. just kidding I just want to say I hear something that um just from what you talk about Manuel that like you are proud of yourself for you acknowledge that you did have a difficult childhood you know maybe there's a lot of like the abandonment feelings or just the fact that there wasn't that much support but you have the strength of character to um pull yourself together and put your life on track and you feel like you've done a lot of things on your own and you're Mm. proud of yourself for doing that and i feel and i heard you say a few times that like it's like a survival mechanism but like Mm. just like stepping back and realizing you did survive and you also thrived do you know what i mean yeah. like you did it and that's something to be really proud of yeah, you know it sucks thanks. when you're a kid and there's like abandonment shit and like your parents aren't there when they're supposed to be but like you fucking did it look at you thank you yeah you're, you're still you alive man. your parents that's wrong you're still <laughs> yes alive. you're fucking flirting with people at coffee shops more than me and brian can say <laughs> i know guys you know what i didn't re- receive a reply to this text but i did match with someone very hot on tinder there and i'm ha- well. meeting them for drinks tonight so you know what Amazing. life goes on man life goes on. <laughs> it's, you know it hurts yeah but then this person has a six-pack that's how life goes right yeah let's fucking go i think i think that's also like a healthy thing to recognize that sometimes like your mind gets so engrossed with this like one person but you realize that there are just so many other people there's around. so many other people yeah people with like six packs and, and god wants you to have sex with all of them that's <laughs> <laughs> that we're she, do you want to do an asian ass story Bef- do you want to yeah. tell us like a fucking do you have a funny before like, we let you go feeling tell Asian us ass story before oh. you go to the chaotic most streets Asian 
Oh man! Tell us an Asian fucking an Asian ass it's, story. It's not a funny story, but doesn't besides have to be talking funny. to your pet animal, farm animal <laughs> friends in Cambodia, which is the, the most. A- my best friend was a cow in Cambodia. That's like pretty Asian. <laughs> and then we yeah. killed it for food. My parents wanted me to go to grad school, so I proved them wrong by being published in the New York Times. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> my dad um, was a basically your entire story so far has been an Asian ass story. My dad, it's, it's pretty my dad's Asian. A pastor in Korean Christian church. Yeah. <laughs> My dad well, left me when I was 12 in Singapore. <laughs> Sorry, it's just, just your entire no, life is an Asian ass story. Now that you say it, it's so true. There's nothing like, You're like not Asian about revise my story. Revise my first answer to just saying I'm really fucking Asian. Yeah, I'm the fucking most Asian person ever. Sorry, I, I, I'm like distracted, but I think it, like what does being Asian mean? Also, like, is it a state of mind? Is it how you look? Yeah. Um, we really don't I, know. That's yeah, why we don't know. Yeah. We kept it That's what we're asking you. Reason, yeah. That's one what of, we keep asking everyone. One of the things that I'm really struck by is. Um, I think there there is an element of your blood, like that's who you are and you can't escape it. Mm. And um, I was doing this project uh, with um, focusing on Korean Uzbeks and mm. Korean Uzbeks Ooh. are basically ethnically Korean people that were deported to uh, Central Asia in the 30s by Stalin. Right. Um, and so they basically spent like what, three to four generations. Um, and so th- therefore all like intents and purposes, like very Russian in the way that they think. Yeah. Um, but I did a, a photo project on them and I met a lot of them and it was weird, but like from the first meeting, like I could feel this instant connection yeah. by virtue of us being Korean. Mm. And like a lot of them don't speak Korean anymore, but we could just, they said certain things like we have this thing called Dunchi. Yeah, which Let's is crazy. Yeah, time. and it's like how like it's Dun- so crazy that. <laughs> that Can you explain was what Dunchi is? Dunchi um, is we, this kind yeah. of like a situational awareness and like knowing how to behave appropriately without to that situation yeah. without anyone saying anything. I love that three to four generations removed from Korea. The one thing that remains is they still remember Dunchi. <laughs> you must Dunchi. You must act appropriately. Yeah, yeah that's context. what that's what remained. Like they don't even need kimchi anymore. But we have nunchi for God's sake. Yeah, they have this like butchered version of kimchi. They have like that white kimchi, right? Yeah, it's, I've seen it before. I've saw kimchi. like a documentary about like Russian Koreans. Yeah. Okay, that's um, awesome. So I I think like in my head I'm pretty American. Like my values and like what I believe in openness and yeah, you know, democracy and. I mean, not that crazy. Democracy. Uh, <laughs> or just like they have democracy outside of America. <laughs> yeah, democratic values. That's it. Um, I believe in you know. I'm American. I believe in freedom, uh, guns. I'm <laughs> but like, if you put a bowl of white rice and kimchi in front of me, I'm like, wow, you're speaking to my soul. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh, Asian ass story. So I was an intern. I was a tech intern in San Francisco, 2013. Um, and there's there were like twelve of us, um, and we we're like um, volunteering at this conference. And then at night, we're all hanging out, we're playing games, and uh, you know that game Mafia. Uh-uh. Where, yes. Uh, so you basically like there's a group of people. You you sit around in a circle, um, and one person is like the mafia, and then basically c- you kind of go around like accusing different people, and they have to make a defense of like why they're not the mafia. And so anyway, uh, we're playing this game, and I wasn't the mafia, but this like. Uh, one of the white interns, he uh, like like accuses me, um, accuses in you know um, scarecrows, um, like you're the mafia. And so I gave this like super super like genius like logical explanation for why I wasn't the mafia, uh-huh. and everyone seemed to like buy it. And then this white kid straight up looks at my face and he's like, I don't know, there's something about your face that I just <laughs> don't believe or just don't trust. Uh-huh. <laughs> and 
it, it really shocked me. I was like, what do you mean there's something about my face? Is it like my eyes? Like, is it because I can't express myself facially? Um, and for some reason, that incident, bias? <laughs> that incident just like stayed with me. And I just think about that sometimes. Another story. I was at Five Leaves in Greenpoint. Um, that white people inherently don't trust us? <laughs> I think there's an That's how you know Emmanuel yeah. grew up in a lot of Asian places. Like in 2013, a white guy discriminated against me in it's a negative a, way. Yeah, it's <laughs> based on my bias. appearance. No, the, the funny thing is it's it's such a trite example, but I think it's just... No, it's just, really it's just, true. White people have like a... Yeah, for yeah sure. there's like tribalism and like... There's it's suspicion. ingrained. Yeah. They're, suspic- yeah. they're really suspicious of it. And you know what? Nobody ever wants to admit it but like come on man come on like i see it when i you know whatever um i was at five leaves um and i was hanging out with uh one of my friends from college and she's a white girl for Um, anyone that doesn't know five leaves is a brunch restaurant for white people in greenpoint continue very expensive but pretty good um it's not not that expensive is it well i for brunch for what whenever i'm there i'm like super hungover slash drunk so, I don't so you just get there was this couple in front of us white guy asian girl um we were right behind them so me asian guy um white girl um and we we're just waiting for a table mm-hmm. and then uh we were waiting for about like 10 minutes and then the waiter comes up and then and literally like we're standing like five feet apart from the next group yeah um the waiter comes up to me points at the asian girl points at me and it's like (laughs) do you want a table it's ready oh what the fuck and then like obviously her the asian girl's boyfriend looks at her surprised and my white girl friend looks at me surprised and the waiter doesn't even and, and like I'm like no like we're not you know we we're got the different group parties. and the waiter <laughs> like doesn't even apologize and you know just like seats the the group in front of me was the waiter white yeah oh, okay. <laughs> yeah Daniel just went <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> again like a very small subtle thing but it, you know it, it reveals a lot about these kind of base assumptions that people have yeah, for sure they think that you should be with your own kind and yeah. also they don't trust you damn yeah mm, but um, then they also were trying to give you a table f- before the white people so, yeah. so <laughs> i don't know maybe there's, silver lining there's a silver there. lining yeah, <laughs> um, wow that is an asian ass story yeah wow anyways We've come so far i know <coughs> i kind of want to pick up running and journaling now after this episode yeah i recommend it okay well we'll 100%. see it'll probably last i'm not for a going day. to do it any of it i'm sorry i'm not gonna even lie i'm not gonna lie to my friend emmanuel i'm doing none of that lawful Fuck, bullshit i just i just lied i did some fucking trickery i mean right i now. work out but i do it not ever I, I don't do it like i just can't be scheduled like that it makes me extremely unhappy i don't know why yeah right anyways yeah. emmanuel thank you for joining us on the feeling asian podcast thank you for, for our listeners me. out there where can they find your work um so my um instagram is hanbo at h-a-h-n-b-o um that's where i post most of my work um and then my website is my name emmanuelhan.com awesome and how about you brian where can we find you you guys can find me on instagram at it's brian park and what about you young me um on instagram at ym mayor and also on twitter at ym mayor and follow our podcast at Feeling Asian Podcast. Please. And then also, if you like the podcast, don't forget to give us five stars and write a nice review on iTunes. And it means so much to us. And share Instagram stories. Yeah, we'll we'll repost your posts. Yeah, and we'll heart, we'll heart it. And we'll get so excited. Yeah.
All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.